Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. going on? Saeed Dabenga coming live and direct from earthquake-prone Los Angeles. Hope you guys are doing well. That's uh, End of the Journey by Harry Stewart. It's actually a song that was performed in the movie Cadence. I actually came across that song by accident when I was looking for something else, and 
the song has really it was sung live in the in the movie itself, directed by Martin Sheen, starring Charlie Sheen and Amelia Estevez and Lawrence Fishburne. But the funny thing about it, not funny, haha, but the strange thing about it is that the guy who sings it isn't a professional musician or artist. Um, he was met on the street by Martin Sheen. He said, hey, do you want to be in the film? And he appeared in the film, sang this song. But no, no one knows what ever happened to this guy. It's like there's words going around that he's homeless and people know what's up. Apparently, he never had the song published. So no one, has, no one really knows who this guy is. But the thing is, that song has so many people to this day. I mean, if you go on YouTube and things like that, I don't think this guy is aware of how many people have been affected by that song. And, you know, I open up this show. Usually I do our regular intro, but I want to open up this show with a little spiritual song since it is um, Easter Sunday. I think it's winding down for a lot of people. This is a continuation of our show from earlier today, Friends of the Congo. Are there really? This is part two. And we got a lot of email questions that I wasn't able to get to before that we will get to within this hour. And what we're also going to do is uh, toward the end of the show, or maybe somewhere in the middle, I'm going to announce a few announcements, some events coming up. Uh, an event taking place in Miami, and I believe there's one uh, taking place, another event taking place in Florida. And there's also another event, a conference taking place in May in uh, Washington, D.C., that relates to conflict uh, minerals and things like that. So we'll talk about that shortly. So, but let's go back to our proper entrance, <laughs> if folks don't mind. Everybody seems to enjoy the uh, int- intro music that we have. So let's take it away. Uh, we have Joella in the house helping out. Doing a great job. Here we go. questions here that we emailed our last show um a lot of questions ironically and i to know that a lot of people realized i was not a taxi they realized it was very uh even based yes i have my opinions obviously as i would it relates to congo and i think sometimes you have to state your opinion and base it on facts or what have you because facts you know the truth cannot be denied, and the truth will see sunlight, no matter what people may say uh, uh, otherwise. So our group today, we're going to do uh, about 35 minutes left. Um, I took, uh, well, Joella actually crumpled um, about six questions here. 
And what I want to do is I want to open up with a statement, uh, a presentation that a Congolese made during Congo Week in uh, Harlem this past 2009 as we continue on our part two of Friends of the Congo. Are they really? And the gentleman made some very interesting statements. His name is Pet, uh, Petna Ndeliko, uh, advocate for the culture for DRC for some time. Uh, I know of him. We've never conversed personally, but I've known, I've known of him for some time. And I want you to hear the words he has stated during a, a panel uh, session through Week in Harlem. I believe this took place after a screening of the movie, uh, which I do not have at this moment. All right, so here we go. We're having the new mercenaries, and these are NGOs people, that are causing much more trouble, problem in the future. As we're talking today about King Leopold, those are the new King Leopold. Soon or later, we will see what will come out. People there, I remember in Butembo, people said, we don't need your food. What we need is peace. Please go back. They are coming and teaching people how to stay dependent. Yet people over there used to work for themselves. So it's like today, and you know, they behave in a so funny way. That if there is too short in the air, all the NGO people, they run back to Goma in their beautiful cars and beautiful houses, you know, and you will see the entire village will follow them because they taught the villagers not anymore to go in, a, in, in their farm and farm. They are bringing everything to them and they know that in the camp you will get much more food than back in the village. And how will you come with your message as a Congolese who is conscious about what is going on? How will you come with your message and tell them, please, you know what? Things are not going the way they're supposed to go. Things are going the wrong way. Now, that was the words. Uh, let me see if I can do a little mix here that Joelle is working on. That was the words of Petna, if I can pronounce his last name. It's uh, Petna Indelico. It was words during Congo Week in Harlem back in 2009. Now, I like what he's saying. You know, if you don't hear that, oh, woe is me, we're poor little Congolese suffering into the bush and being raped to oblivion and being uh, exploited to oblivion and being, uh, you know, shot to oblivion. He's stating what the issue is, but you notice who he's talking about. He's talking about the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations. Uh, we have a caller, 727-460-9773. Come to you in one moment. We're switching lines here, so bear with me, brother. Bear with me, a sister, if that is you. We'll come to you in one moment. Well, you hear what he's talking about. And you hear what he's saying. But let's take our callers. I don't like our people waiting. Hold on for one moment here. If we can get this right. Caller 727-460-9773. How are you? You're on air. Talk to me. Hello. Um, I just want to say I, 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 I absolutely love the show. I listen to your show every single time it's on. But I just, I just wanted to know, uh, are you a fan of, uh, or a supporter, as I should say, of the the one and only President Obama? Who, President Obama? You you betcha. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Not, I, I wouldn't say I'm a friend. I don't, a friend in terms of I don't know this. I don't know him personally. 
But you know, I have I support for some of his policies. Not support. I don't support some of his policies. You know, that's just my opinion. You know, for me, uh, is there anything I, specific I else I, you want to talk about? I couldn't agree with you more. I I support I support some of his policies, but the others it just makes him out to be one of the worst presidents to go down in history. Wow, it should be very interesting to find that out. Because how how long is his term left? It's about what uh, two years. Three and a, two and uh, a half years, you think? Two and, a, two and a half years, about left. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think uh, he'll be, uh, think he'll run again and be reelected? Absolutely not. I think we are in for a hailstorm. A hailstorm mm-hmm. like the Sahara Desert. <laughs> and I know what you mean by that kind of storm. Let me, ask, let me, ask, let me, let me uh, share something with you, um, if I may. Uh, before he, when he was running for office, a lot of people, because of his father being Kenyan, were saying that his policy towards Africa would be different. But then a congressional, not a congressional, uh, a think tank in D.C. that's nonpartisan compared his policy that was uh, towards Africa toward, uh, to John McCain's policy towards Africa. And they came to the conclusion that both their policies, there's no difference. It's both the same, that things wouldn't change, that the status quo would, may, would be maintained. What is your feeling on that? I, I I don't know. I I think some of his policies are very, very different than uh the one the John, John McCain. Right. But, uh, right. I, I personally I love John McCain even even though what some people did say. Right. He's a maverick, and at least you know he's true. You know the one thing about John McCain I have to say beyond the fact that he is a maverick. Did you see the uh, speech he gave the night when he was conceding uh, the election to President Obama, how eloquent he spoke that night? Mm, Yes, I did. I did indeed. Oh, great speech, great speech. So, caller, we have some more folks calling in. I want to thank you for taking the time, not not just to listen, but to to call up. I absolutely despise Africa. Oh, yeah? Well, what can you do? Take care. Yeah. Groove here. Now, let's see. We were talking about Petna. Oh, you should see Joella's face over there in the corner. She's over there cracking up. She's like, wait, this guy despises Africa. Hey, some people don't like Africa. Some people love Africa. Some people don't like the United States. Some people love the United States. Some people love Iran. Some people despise Iran. So what can you do? You only take with a grain of salt. If it doesn't affect, if it doesn't affect your movement, if it doesn't affect the direction you're going, you just take with a grain of salt. You say thank you and you move on. Now, back to what Petna was talking about in reference to uh, uh, the NGOs. and I think it's something that's not really talked about. He's looking at the people that's inside Congo that are making money off the culture. That the NGOs are running around their nice SUVs, their nice little house, all the security and things like that. But he says it in a way where he's not saying it's a victim. What he's saying is that these people, not these people like this, separate from us as Congolese, but what he is saying is that a lot of the people don't realize or aren't aware that they're being led down a road of being of being uh, uh, dependent on people. And that's just not the culture in the East. That's just not the culture. It's contrary to what people may think. Even when you hear people talk about the elections, they want to say the West installed President Kabila, the British installed President Kabila, the United States installed President Kabila. Like, the Congolese didn't vote. Like, they were just standing out there saying, hello, you know, we're just coming by with our, our uh, voters' registration card. We have no interest. 
And I think that's a very, very dangerous statement to make. And I think it's borderline condescending, if not neocolonial, to say that the Congolese are just laying there and letting anybody that wants to be president be installed as president. Because a lot of us have it on good authority that many people voted. Were there irregularities? Yes, there was. But uh, were the irregularities as egregious as uh, Paul Kagame getting 95% of the vote in Rwanda, even though he's a minority within a minority by being an English-speaking Tutsi? Then they said, you don't hear no outcry over that. So coming back to the brother, I like what he had to say in reference to the NGOs. There are some NGOs doing things. But when you think about, like, the City of Hope, as I said on the previous show and one of my colleagues uh, had articulated earlier, where are the women supposed to go when they leave this city of hope, of which no one has actually really seen a picture of this place. Jill, have you seen this place? But anyway, we continue. That, again, was a statement of reference to he's talking about what the Congolese are being uh, subjected to in some parts of the country. And he's talking about it's not the West. It's the NGOs in the, com- the country itself. That would be Ben Affleck's. Let's go to another statement here that uh, – Joella assembled for me from, uh, from the same, I believe, the same panel. These are the words from a, a brother named Joseph Mbangu, a fine gentleman, very proactive when it comes to the culture. Went back to Congo some time ago, took some glorious pictures. I mean, he just was doing his thing. I met him when I was in New York for our Congo Memorial. Uh, he came by, I think he came by a little late towards the end, but we did converse. And he's always been about the Congo. And I believe this is on the same panel as the previous speaker. So let's hear his words in reference to what he's saying. This is during the, uh, uh, the uh, Congo Week in Harlem in 2009. Let's see what Joseph Mbongo has to say. Uh, as a Congolese, when I look at all, all these uh, uh, developments, I, uh, I just going to say a word. You feel powerless. It's a... Uh, the sense, the sense of powerless that is uh, pretty much animating most a uh, lot of Congolese today. People are asking, "What can we do? What's going on?" People don't understand what's what's happening. When uh, uh, minerals are being, you know, traded into uh, uh, places like uh, Toronto or here in Wall Street, there are no Congolese there. And something that was pointed out, point, 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 point out in the film was the uh, very, very lack of experience of the new government just that uh, just came on in power, didn't have any, uh, any experience, and uh, uh, the deal, the negotiations in the signing of the contract uh, went in the sense that, in, in, in the sense that uh, the, the, the people who knew how to handle this kind of stuff got uh, the major part of, uh, of the take. Uh, so, yeah, there's a uh, powerlessness, and also there's also this other, this other aspect that is characterizing not only the Congo, but is also characterizing most of the countries sort of surrounding the Congo, uh, which is uh, people who have studied are barely in power. So, you take all the nine countries surrounding the Congo, you see it's only soldiers. And when I say soldiers, most of these people, they rule by the gun. So these are people that have been placed in power by the West to maintain the, 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 the majority of the population into discipline, some sort of uh, keep them in line. So uh, these are the problems that are facing uh, Africa. And uh, 
my, some of the questions that I ask myself, what can I do to change, uh, 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 to change uh, uh, things? It's only now, barely now, that we have the Kambales, we have myself, we have other, uh, other Congolese that are trying to, to put some resistance, of course, with the help of all of our, of all of our, all of our, our friends who are trying to, uh, 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 of course, help us uh, uh, find a solution, put a term to this, uh, this situation. But the big question is, are we going to keep pushing or are we going to forget just uh, like it happened with Ed Morrell and the government at that time? Uh, so what can keep, how can we keep the momentum from going and how can we make things such as, because there's a mistake, people believe that it's the outside world that's going to save the Congo. It's the Congolese people themselves that are going to save their country. So that's a very key point that, uh, uh, of course, when I think about all these questions, uh, the answer is meant to be found. Very here are the two words. There's two things that stuck out again. Uh, Joseph Mbangu, that's a Congolese who's worthy of being called Congolese because he's just about the culture. And, uh, I mean, again, we met briefly in New York. Uh, we had our memorial last year down there in Manhattan, and we'll be back there again this year, I believe, in November. And he, he spoke on two points. Um, we're not going away from our show today being about Friends of the Congo. I'm weaving in some perspective here so you understand the foundation of the show so that it's not an, an attack on the FOC. It's to show that there are, other, there, are other, there are other lines of thought and action when it comes to the DRC that, that are just as progressive. You may not agree with them. I may not agree with them. But when it goes down, hear what he said. He talked about powerlessness. And what can I do? And powerlessness and what can I do? When the problem is made to be so complex, so vast, so deep, and so wide, you feel helpless. You feel powerless. You don't know what to do. And I think it is very interesting if you think back, if you sit back and you look at the situation in Congo. Can we have another, uh, another interview I'd like to put up, also, another few statements I can put up, where from two countries, Rwanda and Uganda, invaded Congo, to now it's about the rapes. Not saying the rapes aren't, 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 aren't of importance, but to the rapes, to people saying what, the con what we don't want, what well, we don't want to see this, we don't want to see that. But when you talk to a Congolese who has love for the culture, love for the country, and puts the country before themselves, you get someone like Joseph Mbongo who will say, powerlessness, what can I do? Many people, a lot of Congolese, they're seeing these people with guns, machines, you know, weapons, and money, all these things. They're, they're seeing all these people coming and going, coming and going, but their lot in life hasn't changed. Not all of Congo. Congo used to be like the Paris of Africa, you know, like Lebanon and the Middle East. Let's get, let's get it twisted now, all right? People have looked at Congo and, and know the wealth. But when you're a Congolese in some parts of the country and you have no electricity, you have number two batteries, and you see a power line above you going to Zimbabwe, you're wondering what's going on here. That's what the sense of power is, not hopelessness, because trust me, the ones that we, we didn't invade anybody. There's no sense of hopelessness in Congo, all right? But he said powerlessness, that many people are feeling powerlessness, and many people outside the country are feeling a, a sense of powerlessness because they don't know what they can do. They don't know where to begin because the story has, our, our situation has been hijacked 
by so many people, mainly them non Congolese, Eve Esler, Ben Affleck, all these other people. Now their heart may be in the right place, but at the same time, it's not it's not the it's, it's not a common mantra that's going on. And then Joseph said, "What? What can I do?" He's not saying he's not you know he understands the role of other people in this in the situation, but he's asking, "What can I do?" Not the West needs to do this, Obama needs to do this, uh, Britain needs to do this, or what have you. He's like, "What can I, as a Congolese, what can I do for my country?" That's the thinking we're talking about. That's how. The approach needs to be. And then the approach becomes, what can you do? What can I do? Then it's like, what, does, what, uh, what, can, what have you do? And that's the thing that comes back to what, what, what I said earlier in the previous show. When some members from the FOC have said, when the Congolese start doing this, when the Congolese start doing that. And I say to you again, Franklin Katunda started Congo Boston years ago, before 2004 when FOC came on the scene. You have, uh, uh, oh, my God, my friend, Congo Vision. And so that's a down there. How long has he been doing this? Long time. Little money, little support. Go to his website, congovision.com, or go to congoboston.com. So when someone comes out and says, when the Congolese need to, that's just the Congolese outside the country. We haven't talked about the Congolese that's holding it together in the country. Because if it wasn't for those Congolese, there'd be no Congo. It's not like someone's doing a favor for us. We're the ones that hold that country together. Now, let's go on to something else here where uh, Jesse Jackson, but the combine, make this sense. I think it was 2009. Again, I sent faxes and emails that friends of the that was going to do the show, and I asked them questions. Once nobody wanted to give me their thoughts, they didn't say anything. They never did. Jesse says the top that he has to say. I believe uh, Brother Kambal is asking a question here. Bear with me, Joel. Yet you got it. I right, uh, loop it in. Is Kambale Musabuli. I'm a civil engineer student here. Uh, first, I want to thank you for coming to the Congo in 1996 and meeting with the opposition leaders at the time. And you showed the desire of actually listening to the people. I only have two questions for you. Uh, from your visit to the Congo in 1996 and 97, and coming back here to the U.S., uh, why haven't you kept the profile of the Congo up uh, for the Americans to know? Because the same company we're talking about that's doing the things here are the same one exploiting the people in the Congo. And my next question is uh, a proposition of elevating the profile of the Congo, uh, given that now we have six million people who are, that, who are dead since 96 there. Uh, I know you have a show on Saturday morning in Chicago, maybe dedicating that uh, to the Congo, or maybe uh, see how your son also can be involved, since he has helped with the situation in Liberia, and see how um, the story of the Congo can be heard because many people do not know that there is a war there and you've been at the forefront of it by going there yourself. You know, we had to raise it. Mr. Kabila, who was president at that time, got killed, right? Yes, yes. yes he has been killed. And we are profiling. It's just hard to break through that. So much war going on. We're trying our best to end the war because that cannot be development of war at the same time. Uh, I was in the Congo. Uh, last month, not in the Congo, I was in the uh, Africa last month. 
and after the beginning yesterday. And so we're very much into that. I'm going to be raised it because it says something about the international consciousness of our campus. Most of the prophet came from Africa and had a certain idea of the Peace Corps and asked about 500 of us, about 300 I guess, name five African countries. And we couldn't. I mean, we, were just, we didn't know about it. I mean, our consciousness was just that low. We know that now. I hope. We're growing. We're becoming more global now. But you're being here. And, and be with some friends other than just your homeboy friends. You know I mean, share the information because the Congo is maybe the wealthiest country in all of Africa. Maybe of all of Africa. And so then that was a key really to stability in the whole region. But thank you for raising the point. Okay? Thank you, sir. All right. Now, there's two things that hopefully you can hear the audio. Um, Joella try to refine it as, possible, uh, as much as possible. Um, what uh, Kambal is asking about, you've heard the question, and I think hopefully uh, you've heard what he wanted to. And Jesse touched on two things here. He goes, the first thing is now, the second was that it was said that uh, in the title of that segment that Jesse didn't break the silence. But if you listen to what he's saying, he did. He kind of explains, he kind of explains why there's not a lot of activity on the Congo. One, he said there's a lot, there's so much war going on, not just in Congo, but there's so much going on in the news. You have wars all over the place. So you have that, you have that congestion of news of what we're going to talk about. All right. But he talked about how there's so much going on. And I think it becomes, when so many things happen, it becomes white noise. It all becomes the same. It's like with the situation in Kosovo where Clinton said people may be suffering from refugee fatigue. All right. Secondly, he talked, I was hoping you heard this part when he said, when he had traveled to the continent of people, at the time they asked some members to name five African countries, and he said they couldn't. And you can kind of hear the, the group, the, the audience's reaction to that, like, oh, my goodness. They named five African countries, and they couldn't. You're asking people to get involved in a situation in a region thing of, or doesn't even know what exists. The common refrain now has been Congo is conflict since World War Two. Maybe the youth today don't know anything about World War Two. I teach ninth ninth grade through twelfth grade. And World came to power. That's how World War One ended. China invaded Germany. These are some of the answers. You're dealing with the educational system, which ties into a previous show. Many people don't, don't even know the, uh, their own history. So you compare it to World War II, that's an abstract to them. They don't know anything about World War II. They don't know anything about the Russian death toll or anything like that. So what he was saying is that five people, they couldn't name, people couldn't name five African countries. So why would they even care about Congo if they don't know anything about Congo? Because they, if they don't know Congo even exists, which is another article altogether when someone says Congo doesn't exist as a country. But anyway. But the funny thing is to say that Jesse's not breaking the silence, Jesse's actually giving some serious insight because I had asked Ed Gordon the same question. Why is it, you know, he's at some uh, NAACP Hollywood event uh, a couple, couple months ago here in, in, in Los Angeles, and I asked him after the other show, we was on one-on-one in the corner, and I said, you know, why do you feel that Congo's not getting the, any press, getting any play in, in, a, in a lot more media than it is right now? Because it was getting some love, but not as much as I felt it should get. And he was saying it's very difficult to decide what's going to open the show, what they're going to speak on, particularly if it's not relative to the interest of the viewer. 
And he said it might be wrong to say that. It might not be politically correct, but that's just how it is. And we had a great conversation, but I didn't condemn the guy. He's been in the game for a long time. This is Ed Gordon. We had a good conversation about that. Now, the thing, though, about to say Jesse has broken the silence, I remember vividly watching Jesse Jackson on Tavis Smiley's State of the Union live. And they were talking about situations in the black community and what have you. This isn't black or white. It was just something that he was talking to at that time. And he referenced the fact that he said something along the lines of, now look what's going on in the Congo, where at that time I think he was like, I think the death toll was like four or five million. He goes, we have almost four or five million Congolese being killed. Now, no one else on the audience had picked up what he was on the, on the panel of, of speakers on the stage, picked up on that and carried it with him. But he brought that up and brought, I mean, he brought it up out of nowhere. And he said, well, what's going on? Why are we not talking about that? What's going on? This was about two years ago, two, about two, two and a half years ago. We'll see if we can find the clip for next show. So to say Jesse Jackson is not breaking the silence is to say, is to say that it's, to show, is, is not knowing the, 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 the repertoire of some of these people that you're saying aren't saying anything. Jesse has spoken. John, you know, I've penned the graphs from enough. I've seen him speak on Rwanda. I've seen him speak on Uganda. I've seen him talk about the minerals. I've seen him do things. Yes, people may have issues with him. And we have everybody has issues with somebody. But when it's step back, if it raises the profile of the country, that's all I'm, I'm, I'm for that. And as long as, but if it's at the expense of the Congolese, I'm not. So, again, you heard Joseph speaking, talking about powerlessness. You heard the other brother speaking, talking about the fact of the NGOs. We have to stop looking at the West. It's like when it comes to Kagame in Rwanda. I always say this. He's quick to blame the United States for not coming there to stop the genocide, even though everybody knows there's troops, American troops in, in Burundi. But the thing is, why is he not saying anything about Burundi coming to stop the war? Uganda stopping the war. Tanzania stopping the genocide. Uh, Kenya stopping the genocide. Why is he talking about being free, but he's blaming the West? But he's not blaming South Africans. Someone asked about the, American, the uh, African Union. Please. They're a bunch of, they were a joke when they were organized of African uh, state. They're a joke that they're African Union. We wouldn't have to waste our time with those. All right. So let's take a quick little break here. We'll come back with a few announcements. I wanted to get, well, actually, we'll come to some questions now, and then we only have 11 minutes left. Uh, one question is, uh, what do you feel about race hope for Congo? I have no problem for them. The only issue with them is that they have that sad-looking Congolese woman on the, on the, on the the, 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 the page with them, uh, right, with the race hope. She's looking all sad and depressed, and I don't know any kind of these women are like that. But I have no problem with them. You know, there's certain strategies that things should be a little different, and I think they myself, what some colleagues may feel about me or what have you. But, you know, I can't be worried if someone's not doing advocacy the way I think they should do it. I know my brother's one of their speakers on the speakers tour, and he's been all over the place and things like that, and I know they have a, something coming up at Harvard University in the near future. So I really have no feeling. You know, I've had my conversations with them. So I have nothing negative. I mean, like I said, their strategy is a little different than what I would do it. But if it's bringing uh, awareness to Congo, no problem. Uh, another question here is, uh, what do you think of Ben Affleck's nonprofit? Well, I, I, said, I said on the earlier show, if that's what's in Ben's heart, fine. But I think, you know, if it's the same Ben who wrote a, a, an op-ed in Time Magazine supporting Laurent and Kunda, by saying that Kunda has some valid points. And if you look at the go, – go to uh, Ben Affleck's webpage uh, for his Eastern Congo Initiative and go look at the About Us and see who we're getting support from. And then let me know how many Congolese you see are part of that initiative. All right? Again, as our brother earlier has spoken so eloquently about the NGOs, they're the issue. 
You know, his name was uh, Petna Endeliku said, the NGOs are a problem. Why are we making grants to a country that's one of the richest in the world? Ask yourself. That ties into what Brother Joseph Mbongo said. It's creating a sense of dependency. Hey, let's apply for a $1,000 grant from Ben Affleck in California or New York when they're standing over $40 million in diamonds under their, under their feet. All right? So that explains that. Uh, another question here is, are you worried the FOC won't work with you in the future? No. I don't think about that. You know, I've been doing this, and I just really, you know, people that know what I do know what I do. I don't, I've been doing this, my family's been involved in this struggle for over 100 years. So I don't worry about who will invite me here and who won't invite me there. The only thing I'm concerned about is kind of being the way I remember being when I was growing up back home. I think a lot of people are surprised to find out I was actually born in Kinshasa. So I'm not worried about if they don't want to work with me in the future, it's up to them. I've been doing a memorial for Congo since 2000, 2001. We were in New York last year. I didn't see anybody from that organization there. I didn't see any words, letters of support. But did it bother me? No. I was, you know, I was happy to see Dave Donaldson, who wrote a great book, Heart of Diamonds. Go check him out, heartofdiamonds.com. He was there in Tumba, uh, Kami Mukang, Mukang. I always get her last name. She gets me because she has so many different names. She goes by Ntumba and Tumba. <laughs> so, you know, Tommy came down from Ntumba and Tumba. She has her love talk. She was there. And I'm not worried about it. If SOC wants to work with me in the future, fine. If not, I do what I do. I'll be doing a memorial now. I'll be doing it next year. I don't think about worrying about people's feelings and who may not invite me to speak. I worry about the Congo and the Congolese. That's all I'm concerned about. Uh, another question here is, uh, why do you think a military solution is viable? Uh, it's a military solution in terms of an invasion. A strong military would, would, would have prevented all this what's happening in Congo now. A strong military that's paid and not made to, to, to ravage off the, the country the, the country and the population and isn't forced to accept rebels and militias um, who they were fighting not but the day earlier will, will bring a, a resolution to what's going on in Congo, case closed. You know, no one would even, if you even looked at Congo wrong, they'd come get you back in the day when it was uh, Zaire. So a military option is viable. You have a strong army. You can defeat the military of Rwanda. They, their, their military is only so big. And I'll tell you right now, the threat of, of Congolese soldiers marching into Rwanda is something that I'm sure Kagame doesn't want to think about. So for someone to say that they don't believe in a military solution, they don't have their families being dragged out of the house and being raped, and they don't have their house being burned down so they can move them off so they can get the minerals, you know. So, again, it's very easy to say those kind of things when you're in the United States. When it's your family being, you know, waylaid and drowned in keyboard and burnt alive, that's a little different. But, again, that's my opinion. Uh, we have time for one more question. Uh, let's see. Thank you, Joella. Uh, do you have any events coming up? Yes, we do. We have a few things coming up this uh, in the next couple of months. And for the sake of time, so I do want to get to these announcements. I have two I'd like to make here. Um, just, you know, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. If you're listening now, you can find me on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash Saeed Devenga. Or you can find me on Twitter, same thing. So we do have some things coming up. And speaking of upcoming events, we have two I'd like to announce. Uh, the first one we have here is going to take place. in a little amount of time here. It's going to take place. The African-American Studies Program of Frostburg State University will for Democracy and DRC Congo. Dash hopes, expectations, and realities. What's the international community can what the international community can do? It's going to be a lecture presented by Vemba Cesar Desoleli on Monday. <coughs> excuse me, 
on Monday, April 12th at 6.30 p.m. in room 226 of the Compton Science Center. The event is free and open to the public. Again, it's a lecture entitled Democracy in DRC Congo, Dash Hopes, Expectations, and Realities, What the International Community Can Do. And the lecture is presented by the Congolese Mvemba Fezo Desolele on Monday, April 12th at 6.30 p.m. in room 226 of the Compton Science Center. The event is free and open to the public. And this is presented by the African American Studies Program at Frostburg State University. And they are located in Florida. And if you have any more questions about this, you can contact Dr. Alan Abay, if I'm reading that right. His number is 301-687-4228, 301-687-4228. Another announcement we have here is that the organization of Leisure Bolela is having their annual conference in Florida, Miami, uh, from July 2nd to the 5th. Uh, it's reference to the inspiring action among the next generation. It will be taking place, the whole hotel is the Marriott Courtyard. Uh, you can find Leisure Balela on Facebook, or you can go to their website, leisurebalela.org. That's L-E-J-A-B-S-U-L-E-L-A.org. Again, their annual conference is taking place in Miami. They are leading the initiative to build the Leisure Balela Health Clinic in, in Bujimai. You see, they know the West is a problem. But at the same time, they know it's up to them. As Joseph Mbongo said, what can I do? Leisure Blade has been doing it. The Malokai group's been doing it. And they're going to have a panel. Uh, uh, panels include uh, solar energy and water installation projects. They have a panel on Congo's 50, 50 years of after independence. Another panel featuring Congolese social entrepreneurs based in the United States. A gala, din a gala dinner followed by film, culture, language, class for youth because they made sure to teach Chaluba to the youth there. It's a great event. Check them out. Lejabulela.org, L-E-J-A-B-U-L-E-L-A.org, or you can find them on Facebook, uh, Lejabulela. All right, so people, in our remaining time we have here, three minutes, let's close out the show. I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, oh, I'm sure you have your own thoughts about FOC, Friends of the Congo. I hope I've given you a well-balanced show here, giving you some thoughts here. Some of the audio you heard was actually from uh, their events that I believe they were co-sponsoring. But we have to remember there are Congolese out there doing things. You know, you have uh, Amini Kanjunju in, in New York. From, I believe she's a CEO or executive director for Weibo, uh, W-I-B-O, in New York doing things. We're out there doing things. When someone comes out there and says, when the Congolese start doing this, you need to ask them to give you an example of what they're talking about because we are out there, have been out there, and will continue to be out there. And what's happening now is you're seeing a lot of us through technology linking together to find what we're doing, how we can support each other. I'm doing the film, Once Upon a Time in the Congo. You know, I'm basically filming the whole thing, except for the first episode we shot, which was uh, funded by some good friends of mine in uh, Oakland, uh, Sacramento, things like that. But we have to link together, work together, and um, find out who and how we can support each other. You know, you know, you have, uh, when you have Connie McKendy uh, doing her thing. You have... Uh, Sylvester doing his thing. You have uh, Noella doing her thing with uh, George Maleka. You have Lukusa Raja doing EduCongo, you know, EduCongo.org. Uh, They're doing their thing, building schools and back home in DRC. We can't, those are the people that need to be on the news and those are the people we need to speak about. We can't act like we're in a bubble doing nothing. We can't have people think we're doing nothing. There are so many of us doing things that it's, it's, it's ridiculous to say once the colonies have been doing it. The fact that they're doing it without someone's approval just pisses off some people. But whatever. Anyway, we have two minutes left. People, thanks for tuning in. Much love. Let's take it out. Uh, let's go a little 
Tupac, can you uh, give me a little love as we walk out of here uh, and do what we can do, all right? People, take it one day at a time. It'll bring us one day closer to our, our, our salvation. I'm gone.
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.